0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net.
1: Hey all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Arabels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hi, Austin. Hey, Shelby. We are so excited to be back tonight for a special episode of the Dragon Age Lorecast. And... You might be wondering if you're a regular, regular listener, what is going on? Because I, Shelby, am starting this episode. And that's because Austin and I are switching roles for this episode. Um, We thought this would be fun. We thought this would be a great change. He did the research, so he's going to present it. Um, So with, with that, Austin, are you excited for tonight's episode?
0: I am excited for tonight's episode because today, tonight, we have a guest.
1: We do have a guest. And our guest tonight is Safi from the Lore Together podcast. Hi! Welcome. Good to be here. Yeah, we're I am... so excited to have you.
2: Oh my gosh. I am so excited to be here and just geek out and with the love of Dragon Age that my husband tolerates from time to time <laughs> for an episode or two here at Lore Together. So thank you so much for inviting me. I love it.
1: Of course. All right, Austin. Are you ready to tell them what our topic is today?
0: I am, except one more thing, Uh, Sappy. If you wouldn't mind, we ask all our guests this. Um, Just how did you get into Dragon Age? Which game did you start with? And like what hooked you from this to this series?
2: I'll I'll try to keep this brief because this is, it's kind of actually a saga. It's a funny story. So like soon after Mystic and I started dating, i like a year into dating because we were long distance. Cause it was my last year of college. I came back to Chicago area and he mentioned this game. He really liked playing, which was dragon age origins and his laptop could run it at the time. And we were like, I was like, I want to play it, but I don't have a computer right now that can play it. So <laughs> because we were both paranoid, people who are like, I, I love this person, but also this is a laptop, and I watch People's Court Signed a contract to borrow his laptop, because <laughs> we're just dorks like that, and I, so I played the original Dragon Age Origins, and I actually, you know, started a playthrough, I think it was like a dwarf noblewoman, um, and I never finished that playthrough just because I, I messed up some choices, and Alistair hated me, and I couldn't live with myself, yeah. so, but And then from there on out, like, that is my fantasy setting. I'm usually a hard sci-fi person. I'm a third-generation Trekkie. Like, that's my jam. But, like, if, if it, something about Dragon Age just satisfies what I want in a story when it comes to fantasy setting, I love it. And I keep going back to it. I can't help myself. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's such a good setting.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely I like that it takes the things you know and then kind of twists them just enough to make it really interesting and exciting. So you're not just like like yeah, there's some Tolkien tropes, but then they're like yeah, but what if we did it like this so that like you know the elves aren't always having the upper hand mm. and everything like that. You know yep. stuff like that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Shelby actually lived in Chicago for three years, up on the no- oh, yeah, yeah on the north side. So little connection there. Um,
2: cool. Cool, we are we are currently on the north side, near like the brown line okay. area, so... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We lived off the purple line. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> We've... <laughs>
0: all right. Well, thank you for sharing. We always love to hear how people get into Dragon Age and all of that, and so our topic today is once a month, which we're a little behind... Because I know it's February. But for January, we, we're going to do a character deep dive. And that character is the one and only Sir Cullen Rutherford. And so, as Shelby normally does, I've got some fun facts. Um, so, my first fun fact is probably my favorite. And that is that Cullen is one of the few characters in the Dragon Age series that no matter what choice you make will make an appearance in every Dragon Age game.
2: They're like only on one hand, that many characters mm-hmm. you can really say yeah. that about, I think. You know, a couple which come to mind but I'm afraid to say them because I feel it might be spoilery. I don't know how spoilery. Oh, we, we have, we have a
1: spoiler
0: warning. So
2: in our intro. The games okay. are
0: all, I mean Inquisition's Great. almost 10 years old, so
2: Oh yeah. I forget. I forget. It's like, oh yeah, my hair is gray. And one of my favorite yes. games is over 10 years old. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, other than like Cullen, I think like, obviously, which of the wild slash now we know Mithal is like one of them. And I think uh, Liliana. And then like, I think that's, that's it. Am I? Forgetting Alistair one? comes
0: close. There is one instance where you could make a choice where he does not appear in Dragon Age Inquisition, um, right? And then,
1: and did you did you say Tegan? Oh yeah, Tegan, Tegan? If you count DLCs, no.
0: Tegan makes an appearance in every game because he's at the chateau in Dragon Age Two, um, where you do right. the Heart of the Many quest, and then he is at in the trespasser and i kind of count trespasser as the main game because there's no reason mm-hmm. it shouldn't have been the end yes. of dragon age inquisition
1: well except for the fact that bioware is owned That's, by EA. well yeah i mean i oh, i love our ea
0: overlords they make great games
1: <laughs> oh uh, okay you don't want to get a season letter.
2: <laughs> gotta gotta cover yeah. yourself there i know yeah. that feeling <laughs> believe me oh, i did it ep- i did an episodes on lore about the sims and i had i kind of the same feelings where it's like look i'm gonna talk some talk some trash about it but please don't right. please don't sue me yep mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: at least we're not talking about disney games i think mm. we're okay then Ooh. <laughs> they
2: are one the- of the many disney reasons player. i will never do a yeah. star wars lore
0: cast or report or a podcast um
2: just yeah. let yeah, that uh-huh. be somebody else's mess for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's not our, not our jam.
0: My second and only, my only other one fun fact is, and I did a lot of research on this, so if I'm wrong, someone's a lot better at this than I am. But Colin is one of only three former Templars we meet in game. Other than, I mean, if you count Inquisition, oh. they're all technically former Templars. But I don't. He left the order before the what's called the Navarin Accords right. were uh, abolished. And so, and those former Templars are Cullen, Samson and Alistair. Um, yep. And yeah, Alistair is kind of yep. also barely counting because he didn't even take it. He didn't even do his vigil or take his vows or anything like that. Um Both Cullen and Samson do show signs of lyrium withdrawals. And I think it's nice that they both handle it very differently. Kind of just, a real representation of like addiction in the real life that two people can face the same issue, but react entirely differently.
2: Yeah. Another reason why I like the Dragon Age fantasy setting it, you know, a lot of fantasy settings are all about overarching like ideas of destiny and family lineage and stuff and Dragon Age is is brave enough to be like, Let's talk about things that are very much more personal, one on one, individual, nuancey things in our fantasy setting and let's just be bold about it. Let's just be like, Okay, it's it's magical, but it's still drug withdrawal. How do you deal with that? You know? Yeah, that's you such a good point. Although Although now I want to do a Dragon Age version of train spotting because I'm a horrible person. So you know.
0: <laughs> All right. So this is we'll do a little bit of background on Cullen. Cullen was born in 911 Dragon, which is around like, so that would put him around early twenty ishes at the start of Dragon Age Origins.
1: Um. And like thirties in his in, yeah Inquisition.
0: Um. Yeah. And. Pretty, Yeah, and he is one of four children. Um, And this is my favorite story from his childhood. At age eight, Cohen bravely announces to his siblings that he is going to be a Templar. And his sister Mia laughs at him and says, and I will be a princess. And then his other brother, who is not named, decides to tackle the quote unquote Sir Cullen into the lake at Honleith <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's
2: hilarious. So, yeah. Typical sibling behavior. Oh, it's yeah. perfect.
0: Despite the teasing, Cullen does indeed persistently bother the templars of honleith which were not enough were not many um and they they cave and teach him to fight with the sword and other skills that he could use to one day when he was 13 the local knight commander comes to honleith and impressed with cullen's determination and skill he recruits him into the order cullen then quickly became the top recruit in his class and is eventually stationed at the Circle in Ferelden where he remains until the beginning of the 5th blight. So yeah, kind of that uh farm boy to noble knight story here for Cullen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Rags to riches practically.
1: Yeah. Um and I think that totally like his his upbringing totally makes sense um when you think about how uncomfortable he is mm-hmm. at the Winter Palace in Orlay like he hates it. He's oh, so yeah. uncomfortable the whole time. So when you think about how he grew up, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, he didn't grow up with wealth and privilege like um, most noble people in Orlais do.
2: That makes that makes a lot of sense. I think it also kind of, like, well, on top of the rest of the story, we'll probably get to of his background. It kind of also gives, like, a good foundation mm-hmm. to his intensity of, of, of mm-hmm. the importance of his task. Like, because he had to search it out, whereas a bunch of a bunch of other Templars were like, well, you're like the fifth noble child. We can't really do much with you. You want to join the Chantry mm-hmm. or Templars? Which one do you want? Right. So.
1: Right.
0: So and true. so, obviously, the events of Dragon Age origin happen. The The Circle is besieged by abominations and demons uh, by Uldredge?
1: Is that his name? Uldred,
0: I think. Uldred. He yeah. comes back from Ostagar and... And basically decides, screw the circle, forget this. And he summons a sloth demon, which then summons other demons. And during that time, Cullen is imprisoned in, or does he, he is imprisoned in this magical cage and is tormented by demons. And it's really traumatic for him. And he unfortunately does not handle that well. And he proposes to, if you haven't played it, he proposes to the hero of Ferelden, at the time to kill all the mages up there, and you can agree or not agree. But if you save the mages, Cullen is demanding that they be executed because you never know what um, could happen with the abominations, and you can either refuse or deny that. Um, if all the mages survive, and Gregor Gregor is still in charge of the circle. Cullen is then sent to Greenleaf by Gregor, which is another small town in Ferelden to the Chancery, to, to, quote Gregor, level himself out. So he spends a couple years there, and then by, you know, the first year of Dragon Age 2, we find Cullen and we meet him in Kirkwall, where he has been promoted to Knight Captain, which is, like... A step below, if you remember from our Templar episode, a step below the Knight Commander. Um, So he's kind of second in command to Meredith, where he plays an active role in the champion's role in the circle. And eventually, if you side with the Templars a little too late, opposes Meredith in the act of annulment.
2: Yeah, I I really liked that you guys brought up in the Templar episode. It's like, why did he he really should have stepped in earlier. Like if he knew his position, that was the, there was like act two ish of dragon age been like, Hey, Meredith, chill it out. Mm -hmm. Can you sit in the corner here? You know, maybe take a bubble bath, have a spa day, (laughs) you know, take a tip from Vivian, take care of yourself. And then we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah, totally. And I guess I'm kind of confused on the timeline. Austin, maybe you can give us some more info. Like, so, Does he appear, I guess, Act 1, Act 1 of DA2, does, you do get into the city, and it ends with going into the Deep Roads, right?
0: Correct. So, what's,
1: what's that time span there, I guess, is my real question.
0: So, the time from you, I don't know the time from, time frame of Act 1, per se, Um. Because I don't know, like, how long it takes to get from you leaving either the smugglers or the mercenaries Mm -hmm. to you going to the Deep Roads. I don't know the time there. But the time from the Hawks landing in Kirkwall Mm -hmm. to the start of Act One is one year.
1: So the Hawks leaving Ferelden and traveling, like, that is all one year?
0: No, them landing in Kirkwall to the start of Act One.
1: Okay,
2: gotcha. Right. Right, because they because they've been working with whichever faction you, know, you choose. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they've been working with them for a while, and then that's part of the reason why they have enough of a reputation mm-hmm. to Varric to give them a second chance, yeah. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and it's three years between Act One and Two. Okay.
2: Okay. I think so
0: all, Dragon Age Two, as a total game, is probably about five or six years long.
1: No, I think it's longer than that because the isn't the distance between X two and three five years.
0: I have I can't remember, but it's somewhere between that six to eight.
1: Yeah. Range. So okay. Yeah. So here's my yeah. here's my comment. Um, so when if we're measuring by, um, when col- when the hero of Ferelden in Origins leaves, um, the Ferelden Circle to. When we meet Cullen in Act 2. How we meet him in that?
0: Act 1. We meet him in oh, Act we 1.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's already a Templar there.
0: Yes. So we meet him in Act 1. Uh...
1: But he's not Knight Captain in Act 1.
0: No, he's not quite Knight okay. Captain yet. He's in the quest that called called Enemies Among Us, which is the oh, quest yeah. with the Templar who... You have to go to the Blooming Rose, and yeah. there's that demon who is posing as a sex worker. And
1: oh, wow. Wilmid is his name, right? Yes,
0: Wilmid, yes. And so you basically like, find him like Wilmid is about to turn into an abomination as Colin is like trying to stand him down. Right. For okay. that's, that's okay. where the hero or the champion of Kirkwall, where Hawk meets. Um, Kotlin.
1: Okay so it's like two years I guess ish
0: Yeah I mean he's there The thing about the timeline gets tricky Because I think That in a lot of ways The way Dragon Age Origins get ends Is that Bioware didn't know If they would make another game in this yeah. series
2: right, um, right So
0: it kind of right. ties ends Up so there's things that happen in the epilogue of Dragon Age Origins that don't make sense with the other games.
1: Well, I've always heard that, I don't know if this is actually canon or not, but I've always heard and read that the epilogue is kind of like rumors um, from the people of Thedas Ooh. about what those people did.
0: Yes, that is true. Um, there, and there is a note in that in the Dragon Age wiki about what happens to okay. Colin and saying that these rumors are because there's there are rumors that he's executed too um which we know mm, right. we know to be false
1: unless he's a lyrium
2: yeah. ghost
0: yes don't don't oh, get me yeah. started on lyrium ghost
2: <laughs> yes. okay I won't um,
0: <laughs> anyway I
2: I want I want that to be my answer to everything now lyrium <laughs> <Yes>. ghost <laughs>
0: I think this is an important moment of Cullen's like progression of where he goes because you when we meet him in Dragon Age 2 with Hawk, I'm sure that there's a lot of people who play Dragon Age 2 who didn't even really remember Cullen. Right. Yeah. Because he's such a quick character and you remember you remember Irving and Gregor a little more cuz they're the ones you deal with.
1: Um right. And he also looks very different from game to game. Yes.
0: Um, yes. Reaching the peak of his attractiveness in Dragon Age Inquisition.
1: Um, yes, 100%.
2: Yes, yes. Had, had to yes. acknowledge that at least once <laughs> in this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but just that kind of... He
0: starts in when we meet him, you can still see the trauma of what happened to him in the Ferelden Circle. He is terrified of mages. And whether that, that justifies his actions, I can't say because I haven't experienced something like Cullen has um right but they but then you progress and i think it's it's by knowing the champion of kirkwall especially if hawk is a mage that he comes to realize that mages can't be good people um mm-hmm. and there's a really good quote that he says in if you side with the templars which i've only done like once or twice he said you capture mages after you're doing that in uh, meritus like executing them or whatever and cullen basically says the right of the annulment made sense in ferelden and even then we left mages alive
2: mm.
0: um
2: right right and he
0: says this doesn't make sense and it's kind of the start uh there are starts in act three of cullen like saying like okay this is a little crazy and like you can bring his um you can bring kind of the whole tranquil solution and all these quests to Colin, and he starts to kind of like say like, Oh, okay. But there definitely is that moment where he doesn't act fast enough. And I really think he does end up regretting a lot of that. Um, And that is one of the reasons that he does end up leaving the Templar order. But the real final thing that leaves the Templar order is I love this story. So, From the world of Thetis, this is what it says. It says, Seeker Cassandra Pentagast walks into Cullen's office, sits down, and lays out everything to him, saying that they need him to come and command the forces, and this is a chance to do right, and all of that. And she leaves with, with the last word of, like, the choice is yours. And she leaves his office, and then Cullen gets up and leaves and goes with the Inquisition. Yeah. And then we're at the events of Inquisition.
2: Woo! Where Cullen actually starts to kind of matter at this point. You know, he's no longer set dressing or like playing Mm -hmm. on the themes. He's an actual fully realized character. I feel like that's when we start to really know him.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like he doesn't really become like, this sounds bad, but I feel like he doesn't really become a person until Inquisition. And like, what I mean by that is that he doesn't actually have motivations or desires or, you know, I mean, he has flaws, but he doesn't really have a personality until Inquisition.
2: Um, Yeah, that's a really good point, Shelby, because it's kind of like in origins and dragon age two he's kind of there to show kind of like the moral choices that Mm -hmm. you as a player are are playing with he's kind of there to be like here's the theme and like Mm -hmm. like almost brechtian like hit you over the head with a hammer of what the theme is and then by by inquisition it's like here is a person who happens to exist in this world where all this stuff happens to be true and they are you know, and then you're, you're experiencing like him recovering as a victim of trauma, recovering as an addict delirium, you know, leading everything. Uh, even in the middle of the game, acknowledging like some of his flaws with like how he relates to his family.
0: And so speaking of Inquisition, that is where Cullen makes some of his most meaningful impacts. If you side with the mages, um, it is Cullen who leads the hunt for Samson. It is him who organizes that. Um, If you enact judgment, sit in judgment on any Templar character, it is Cullen, not Josephine, who oversees that judgment. And these are just fun, funny quotes that happen at the war table. Um, If you are a a woman mage, warden, and you romanced Liliana, this conversation happens because Cullen would have known you so Colin says, so you and uh Liliana. Yes. Colin, was she I mean, did she ever Liliana, are you asking for details? Colin, I uh no, that would be uh inappropriate
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I
2: I have to now play that through at some point. That's hilarious. And then
1: this
0: one happens if you are in a romance with Cullen. Uh, Cullen says, Inquisitor, we were Liliana, eagerly awaiting your presence. Some of us more than others. Cullen, I wasn't, I mean, I was, we have work to do. Liliana, of course.
1: (laughs) It's always
2: Liliana. (laughs) She's. I mean, it's by that point of acquisition, she just cuts through everything. Yeah. She's just seen, she's seen so much that she's kind of like, yeah, let's not, let's not pussyfoot around this. This is what's going on, mm. which I love. And like. But, um,
0: there's a great, if you take Liliana to Broken Circle in Dragon Age Origins, she is the one party member that has compassion on Cullen and what's happening to him. She's the one party member who says, look at him. It's poor thing. He must've been tortured.
2: And that makes a lot of sense, just knowing her character and like what she went through and her still. Because, I mean, by the time she's at Inquisition, she can be a lot more cutthroat. But when you first meet her, it's like, yeah, I was a spy and a bard and like I was playing for that. But also I had a heart and I fell in Mm -hmm. love and I made mistakes and I'm still trying to figure that out. And by it's, she does a lot of growing by the time you see her Inquisition from there to. To then
1: yeah she's lost like every ounce of naivete that she had.
2: right. right. And now she's just coy about it. like mm-hmm. she, she'll she knows what's going on and she'll reference it. She's mm-hmm. just yeah. you know, a little orlesian about it. that's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. so now let's learn about where Cullen is now, which is depe- dependent on the choices you make in Inquisition and get ready. it gets a little sad. Um, so, this is the situation if Cullen is not taking lyrium and is a, a romance with the new Inquisitor. Cullen and the Inquisitor retire to a private life together with their new dog friend um, in Ferelden. They continue doing good <laughs> works on their own terms and visit with Cullen's family. That's so c- it's cute. <laughs> yeah. This is if Cullen is not taking lyrium and is not in a romance with the Inquisitor. Cullen retires from active service. Divine Victoria grants him land and he establishes a sanctuary slash rehab for former Templars. He promises to pick up the sword if his friends ever need him. And here comes sad. This is if Cullen is still taking lyrium and is not in a romance with the Inquisitor. Later on, Scout Harding finds him living as a beggar on the streets of Val He is the last stages of Lyrium madness. He suggested that she e- that she ended his su- suffering either by giving him coin to get more Lyrium or providing him a quick death. And that is all if the Inquisition is disbanded. If the Inquisition continues on with divine under divine Victoria, if Colin is not taking ly- Lyrium and in a romance, Colin and the Inquisitor continue to guide the Inquisition. They continue to do good works on their own term and also visit Cullen's family with their happy dog. Um, Colin is not taking Lyrium or was promised to find a solution later and is not in a romance with the Inquisitor. Uh, Cullen continued to serve as commander. He also established means for taking care of Templars who want to quit Lyrium or have lost their minds. And then if Colin is still taking Lyrium... Colin abruptly retires from the Inquisition and disappears. Colin loses his mind to delirium and becomes a beggar on the streets. He's found by Scott Harding and is either given coin or a quick death. Okay. Yeah. Um.
2: A sad one again. So they're
1: pretty similar no matter what happens. Like if the Inquisition is disbanded or continues, they're fairly similar um, no matter like each of those two things. It just depends yes. on like your actions in the game, it seems like to me. And this is another just really right. cute moment.
0: Right. If you romance Cullen as an elf in the wedding scene, they do recite vows in Elvish.
2: Oh, yes. that's adorable. So yeah, that's
0: Cullen in more of a nutshell. This, not a not a side, not like a secondary character, a really important character, especially for Inquisition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that yeah. what attracts me to Cullen so much as a character is, you know, I'm a sucker for a good redemption arc sad boy redemption arc
2: yes
1: yeah you are (laughs) and I will say like for me Cullen is my Inquisitor's canon romance and it's real if you know me well like in real life that's surprising like I don't usually go for the white boy of the month like that's not my jam (laughs) so when I first started playing Inquisition you know years or two years ago however long it was Um, I was surprised that like, that's the character, that's the romance that, um, I was more attracted to in the beginning. Um, but now looking back, it kind of does make sense because his story is like a redemption arc. Um, it is this kind of like introspective looking at yourself and like trying to fix yourself. It's almost like you're getting therapy. Um, I don't know if that exists in the Dragon Age universe, but, like, he's trying to better himself. Um, so I do really appreciate that about Cullen.
2: Yeah. So I um, I think he's, like, whenever I play, depending on, you know, the character, he is one of the romances I'm more likely to play. And I originally – so my original canon playthrough, because I'm a sucker for punishment, is that I romance Solace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, But I <laughs> – and, like, speaking on, like, the game being more than 10 years old, I think part of it was that I was really, at the time, into those stories of, you know, the stereotypical, like, the man you have to save. Mm-hmm. And wasn't feeling the black wall set up for that one. That was just not for me. But Solus seemed like that guy. And now that we see what's going... One, we know where that's going. And two, um, the connotation of, like... Th- what makes Solus the wrong choice is now very like, oh, you just want to kill almost everybody and have your own ideal perfect world. Sounds genocidal. Mm-hmm. Not, not that now <laughs> I can't really get down with that. So like playing again, I actually, when I did a playthrough once, I, I, I did a, a, a I don't know if we can curse in this podcast. So yeah, I can. will. Add. Okay. So what, you know, my next playthrough, I did one of um, called the, the bitch Quisitor, where she was like a snooty noble <laughs> mate, like, um, best army, friends with Vivian. Lady. yeah, Absolutely. Best friends with Vivian, <laughs> all about Harold of Andraste, very much like just unaware of like how she just didn't care about anything else. And she romanced Colin and is, and I think that was my favorite part of that playthrough. Cause you know, it's the, you're then with a the guy who's like, I'm, doing the work I appreciate your help but I know it's that I have to do the work on myself and as I've gotten older and more mature Not that I wasn't mature 10 years ago but I think you know I mean like my my preference my taste in what romances I would do in a video game have changed um, so I, I he's now I think one more of the ones like if I was gonna just do a regular playthrough just for funsies like I would more likely choose Cullen over most of the other options there mm, yeah
1: and i think a lot of the like maybe not replayability but one reason for me at least that i am drawn back to colin's romance is that you get a wedding in trespasser yes. and that's so cute and I it's think adorable sarah's romance is the only other one that gets a wedding
2: um which, yeah that sucks <laughs> i think it's colin and then the only other one is yeah is sarah yeah. If you romance her. So everybody else, there's just some reason why you can't do it one way or another. I mean, yeah. like, if you're, if you're really dumb, like my first playthrough, there is just no way you're ever getting back with. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Or, you know, some of you get dumped because your your player, your romance becomes divine. She doesn't
0: dump yes. you. It's so
2: heartbreaking. That's, that's a tough no,
0: one. No, you can say um, that you're basically, the epilogue yeah, basically does. says you're like you have hidden <laughs> romance
1: okay 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 but you don't get to get married you don't get to have kids you don't get to like live yeah, together you don't get any kinda of that like,
2: that's kind of like the hardened Alistair choice in Origins where he gets he's king and he marries Enora but because you've hardened him he's like but I I mean do you want to be my booty call I get to have a booty call as king yeah. right like that's it, <laughs> it not necessarily as like I don't know depressing as that, but still, it it it's it's not the same. I mean, yeah. and it's not like the other romances aren't any good. Like I'm I'm currently going through a Canary Mage one where I'm gonna romance Iron Bull, um, par- partly because also when I was a teenager I had the biggest crush on Freddie Prince Junior. Yeah. This is the closest oh, yeah. I'm ever gonna get. So here we are. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> cause Mass Effect won't let you romance James Vega. No. We,
2: <laughs> really? There, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well,
0: there is there, there there there's like a one-night stand that can happen in basically if you haven't romanced anyone in Mass Effect 3 by the time you do the Citadel party, you can have an affair with James, but I don't it's like that. super I don't sketchy. Yeah. Like it's super sketchy. Yeah, I don't yeah,
2: like that. Um, I think they were they It's funny because like Mystic and I were talking about it, how I think actually the, we were guests on the boss rush podcast and we talked about how some of the lines are kind of flirty when Jennifer McHale says them. Mm -hmm. And I think there was an idea about a romance before, but I think some of the other writers probably came in and be like, yeah, so Shepard's more of a mentor and that's kind of sketch. Can we not do that? And, and so the tone of how McHale says some of the lines still feels kind of flirty, but but it doesn't really materialize anything unless and then who's playing all three games and not finding somebody they want to romance before they get a chance to be with Vega right, like how, right. how? <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: Fane Fain romancers
1: romancers oh. oh that's Fain. sad that's oh. sad
2: I, I can't oh, I, I can't we got to move on uh, this is not the Mass oh. Effect lore cast <laughs> okay. I'm gonna cry <laughs> okay. we'll do a special episode another time I'm sure yes. and then now that, that's the one Mystic <laughs> will be like okay I have to be in on that one
0: <laughs> so um yeah what were we
1: talking about what we like what we love about <laughs> oh Iron oh, Bull
0: yeah. Iron Bull Cullen. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah can you romance Iron Bull if you sacrifice the Chargers
2: Yes. I think yeah I think it just messes that, up That that is heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. But I think it, it, is. it messes it messes up the trespasser ending I think is what happens though because he you know he still ends up leaving. So it it's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so sad.
1: so bull dumps you, Cassandra if she becomes divine dumps you. Um yeah. I
2: I well, think Bull only dumps you if you sacrifice the charges. You don't sacrifice charges. Right, right. That's around. true. That's true. That's yeah. true. Which, um, yeah.
1: Which black wall.
0: What is black Good old black wall, pro. Uh, um, it depends on what you decide to do in his reveal. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, see there's Fair. too many variables um, on some of them.
2: Yeah.
0: Solace leaves
2: Not you. Always always forever alone just, god,
1: just can you imagine, um, like just, I just want to I know this is a tangent but like imagine being a soulless mancer. and I haven't finished my soulless romance playthrough so I haven't gotten to this point yet but like I can't imagine how heartbreaking it would be when you finally defeat Corypheus and you're like yes oh my god this is amazing we've finally done it and then he just leaves you like that's
2: so sad oh it's worse than I, I don't know if how much I would spoil up for you Shelby but it's worse than that I'm, I'm it's sad. it's he breaks up before you get to cariff oh that's and horrible it's so hard it I, the first time i played it because i didn't have any spoilers i spoiled the game for myself being like what did i do wrong how did i lose solace i have to fix this and then oh. i found out that's <laughs> and then i i spoiled you know no. why he has to end right. up breaking up with you anyway um and then Trespasser came out and I was like, I will, I will get him. Oh, no, no, you will not. <laughs> no, I, um, oh man. So my, my Canon, uh, my Canon soul of Elen hell playthrough is, is my character desperately for all the wrong reasons being like, I will save and redeem him. Like it's just it's tragic, tragic mm-hmm. little elf mage girl. I can't, I, <sighs> yeah. So
0: this, but <laughs> this... yeah. Sarah and Josephine end up happy.
2: And Colin, that's true.
0: And Colin. And yeah.
1: Colin.
2: Yeah. So they.
0: Well, Colin, you get the happy. You get a wedding. Yeah. And a dog.
1: Yeah. And a dog. Yeah. Yeah. You're the it's... only one that gets the dog. So Colin Mancers yeah. are definitely superior for sure. Right.
0: Yes. Right. Um, I think that like I was surprised when I started Inquisition and they had Colin as a player in there. I was like, oh. This is interesting. I was like, are they just going to give him a bigger role each game? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Turns yeah. out, he is the maker in Dragon Age Four. You know, no big deal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, so many fan theories. Oh my god. Um, so is there anything? But, oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, I really did appreciate that the, the how much they were willing to evolve because it 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 actually makes sense with everything he's gone through as you said, the redemption arc. And it it didn't feel like too much of a stretch to me. I don't know how other players feel about it, but when you you talk to Cullen and you realize his background and you see why he was good for the Inquisition, it's like, oh, this, this is actually pretty logical in a storytelling front. And it's really nice that we were able to do it with a character that, if you're paying attention, you've seen through all of the games.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and for me, I think... I do think that his redemption arc is more powerful if you do romance him, just because I think he shares a little bit more of that um, with you if you're if you're in a relationship with him, um, especially like some of his thoughts about like if you are a mage romancing him, coming to terms with that and all of that kind of stuff. Um, So I think it's a little bit more powerful that way. But I will say I've seen a lot of people on like Reddit and Twitter who feel like his redemption arc is undeserved um, because so much of it happens like off screen with him and Cassandra and Kirkwall, she convincing him to come to the Inquisition. And then the rest of it is kind of like internal work that he has to do. And I don't necessarily agree with that take. I understand it and I definitely like have empathy for that view. Um but for me, I think so much of redemption is internal and it's really hard to separate that from any external work you might do because then if if your redemption arc is totally external, then it seems like it's all for show to me. Right. right.
2: Yeah. Uh um.
0: I actually watched a video on mm-hmm. while doing research on redemption arcs because one of them was comparing um, Zuko's Redem- Zuko and Avatar to Kylo Ren and why they Ooh. have similar themes, but one feels in the in the video person's opinions, one feels that the other has more weight and plausibility than the other. And he basically laid out that redemption arcs need two things: they need a relatable reason for why someone does bad things Mm -hmm. um so like with zuko hits his desire to earn honor with his family return to his father go back to his home like there are relatable things like a troubled parent and like zuko's a teenager like these are all things that relate to that and like cullen has that too. He's tortured by demons and like, you might not have an agree with him, but you can't say that like his fear and anxiety and everything about mages is unfounded. Um, Yeah. And the other thing they need is the character needs a change of worldview. Mm, Um, Something dramatic needs to happen that changes their worldview. So like with Zuko, it's the fact that he realizes that his father is a piece of shit and right. <laughs> he doesn't need him. And with Colin, it's the whole thing in Kirkwall and him turning against Meredith. And there's this moment of him, his worldview changing and him acting because of it. And so that's, that's why I would say his redemption does work because it contains these elements.
2: One of the things I think that's also really interesting is about how much of that is actually kind of tied to his faith, because like when you first see him in Origins, entrapped, he is praying to mm. Anjasi, the Maker, being like, "Save me from this," which is also really creepy if, creepy if you play a, a female mage and suddenly it's like, "Oh, I know you brought her here to tempt me," and it's like, "What you th- you think, uh, you, think of, <laughs> ooh, yeah. you think about me? Weird," but um. And it's interesting that even though his worldview change is, his faith remains the same. Mm -hmm. Like, he still is very much an Andrastian Ferelden. Like, when, especially considering he's one of the first people to start singing when the dawn will come, Mm -hmm. you know, and just, like, you do see him praying regularly and just, in just the way that he is, he is still rooted in that faith. But it's very interesting that he decides that, like, the mage thing might be a little bit too much. Like it's the, um, the, the faith and the creed is kind of there, but the dogma part of it, the, the practice of it is what he's actually critical of. It's kind of like, you know, a, a, a Catholic who's pro-choice. It's like, yeah, the church might say this, but mm. I have kind of come to terms with the fact that, you know, my faith has led me to believe that this is the better way to go about it. You know, it, it, it's, Could conflicts but at the same time you can see that that's kind of the the piece that he's made with it you know yeah absolutely and I think
1: there are there are extremists in every religion right and I think it's really interesting to look at Cullen in that lens because you can argue and I think this is probably a pretty fair argument that he might be an extremist at least in Origins and Dragon Age 2 but then throughout two, and by the time of Inquisition, he moves away from being a religious extremist and more into just, you know, a, a person of faith who is not right. necessarily that extreme in their views. Um, because, you know, you're right. He does pray often. You find him, um, there's that cut scene. I think it's close to the end of the game where he's like praying in the chapel thing. Um, and I think if you if you establish the... Um, prayer garden instead of the herb garden um, where morrigan is you can find him out there like occasionally just randomly sometimes Mm -hmm. praying and stuff too oh Um,
2: wow
0: he and i think that in this like like cullen might be commander of the armed forces but like technically as seeker cassandra outranks cullen
1: um right that's right. true too
0: like by very right. very high leagues and i think that i like to think in my hand ken that part of colin's faith is to um because because cassandra is very much in a place where her faith is open to like maybe the maker doesn't work as the chantry always tells us to maybe things are not as black and white as the chantry wants us to believe um But cassandra is also i mean she becomes divine and i think that of the three divine possibilities she's probably the one that believes in andraste and the maker the most um
1: yeah i I mean
0: liliana obviously has her vision and everything but
1: but liliana really loses her faith in inquisition i mean you can help her get it back and and there are, are things she says that are still faithful but Overall, I wouldn't say that she's like devout anymore, at least not in the same way right. that Cassandra is,
2: yeah, even if you do her mission and you like convince her to not be like a heartened, like bloody yeah. person it I think the thing with Liliana is that her faith was was so rooted in the like the structure of the chantry is what's going to save people and and whereas Cassandra and Cullen are more like. It's the maker himself and how right. he works through us. Like they're very much devoted of like, like the spirit of the maker, the spirit of Andraste working through right. people rather than the structure of the chantry helping. And the so world. I
0: I like to think that Cassandra kind of takes that mentorship role um, with Cullen, and that is a moment of like helping him see it. That- just because he throws out Templar, being a Templar doesn't mean he has to throw out his faith. Um, which for someone with like Colin, who faith is important, that's probably a big key in his redemption and his own like keeping his sanity.
1: And and for a person who's been at least training with and becoming a Templar for over half of his life by this point, like right, that's hard that is so hard. I can't, I don't think there's anything that I've done in my life for half of it that I've walked away from. Um, so I can't imagine how hard that would be.
2: That's a really good point. Like I'm trying to think of anything that I have similarly, and there are things I walked away from that I invested years in, but I don't think half of my life. I don't, I think, you know, like there's the stuff that as you be beca- and like of course then you have to think of it like how much of it carries through to an adult because mm-hmm. he started being a templar very young he gains a lot of um uh he- sorry i've heard longer. he gains a lot of experience at a very young mm-hmm. age he gains a lot of responsibility at a young age if you think about about it and then by the time to- like we're meeting him and what he's he's how old is he then like he's born nine eleven, nine forties. dragon age inquisition so what he's 29 mm-hmm. right 29 right around 30 i mean like he's like already at like maturity level mm-hmm. midlife crisis and mm-hmm. and he's he's not even almost 30 like he's right by the time you end trespasser he's 32 like what <laughs> right right it's a lot it kind of yeah. speaks to, it kind of speaks to how much All the stuff, including the trauma that he went through, kind of changes him and shapes him and kind of forces him to grow up.
1: Mm. Yeah. And, like, I wonder, because you're right, that is such a midlife crisis moment for him. And so I wonder, like, what is the lifespan on a Templar? I didn't find any Mm -hmm. of this info in our Templar research, Um, but I know, like... In Origins, when you go to Denerim, you can't go inside the Chantry. There are the two Templars standing there, and one of them is older, and he's, like, Lyrium adult and has lost his mind. Um, right. But we don't know how old he is, so it makes me wonder if it's similar to Grey Wardens in that they have a really young life expectancy because of the Lyrium. Um, and so, so like... Would this Mm -hmm. be the midlife? Origins is not a
0: good judge of age, though, because when's supposed to be like 30, I
1: know, I know. No, she's supposed to be like 45 and she looks like she's pushing 70, right? (laughs) And then, and then Colin is supposed to be freaking 19 and he looks like he's 45. Well, I guess they're going
0: for like no fantasy setting, life expectancy was smaller, so like.
1: I mean,
2: it was, but also it wasn't. Who knows? Who knows what really things? But yeah, Yeah. you could just blame it on the Mm -hmm. potato graphics and just call it a day on that one. That's accurate.
1: Yep. Um, I was gonna ask y'all: Is there anything we dislike about Cullen?
2: I don't.
0: I don't like when he throws the lyrium jar at me.
1: That's fair. Oh, yeah. That's, that's totally fair. fair. <laughs> um, I was going to say that I don't like his voice actor.
0: Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> I don't I don't think Cullen would like his voice actor.
1: That's accurate. Well, if we don't have anything else about Cullen, um, Safi, can you tell us where our listeners can find you guys?
2: Yeah. So Lore Together is should be on all of the ways that you can get your podcast. Um, you can reach out to us um, on Twitter at Lore Together. We also have our Instagram at Lore Together. If you ever want to email us directly, lore at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon if you if you end up liking us enough. We would love your support. Patreon.com slash Lore Together. So if you like having like a a you know a bi weekly different dose of some crazy video game storytelling. We would love to have you listen to us and, you know, join us on the Boss Rush uh, Network Discord where I finally got Mystic to join. And now we're, we're there nerding it up with all the other fellow gamers having a good time.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of the Dragon Age Lorecast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DALorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time.